Psalm 127. Um, I think I'll take it from verse 1 to 5. It's just five verses. I read, Except the Lord build the house, the labor in vain that builds it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman worketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows, for he giveth his beloved sleep. Verse 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hands of mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that had his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. I'd like to speak um, on a topic that says family as an instrument for dominion or expressing ourselves as family of God, expressing dominion. And the emphasis from that text will be just from verse 3 to verse 5. And um, I would also like us to just bring out our daughters and um, barrels and try to pick one or two things that the Holy Spirit will be uh, laying in your heart and also expansiating in your heart as you go along. So I would like to also quickly turn to Genesis chapter 1, where it all began. Genesis 1, 26. And I read, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping things that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over everything that moveth upon the earth. So that was where the dominion blessing actually started from. Because the scripture makes us to understand that after creation, God actually blessed us. And he said, we move from being fruitful to multiplying and after multiplication, we need to also move to replenishing. After replenishing, we must subdue. Then the final destination, we must dominate. The listing of these few terms or these keywords are not accidental. They are on purpose. And it brings to mind the essence of family on the face of the earth. But the very important thing there is to also understand the fact that fruitfulness is for dominion. It started from fruitfulness to multiplication to replenish, subdue, and also dominate. So there's one thing I want us to hold on to there, that fruitfulness is for dominion, which is the main thing that the purpose for which God created us. And as we'll see in Ecclesiastes 7, 8, the scripture says, better is the end of a matter than the beginning, what? Thereof. So it's not just sufficient for us to say we want to be fruitful. 
it's a process. We haven't been fruitful in whatever we find ourselves to do, whether fruitfulness biologically, being fruitful in our career, being fruitful financially, or in any sphere we have found ourselves. We must begin to think towards multiplying, replicating ourselves. Then when we get to that stage, we also must begin to think about how do we replenish. Then after replenishing, we must have a mindset that we must subdue. And the essence of our subduing, whatever sphere we find ourselves, is to what? To dominate, which is the end of the matter. So I would like to go back to that um, Psalm 127, verse 3 to 5. The scripture says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So as arrows are in the hand of the mighty man, so are the children of the youth. I'd like to start from the fact that the scripture makes us to understand that children are an heritage and a gift from God. And uh, this is the way Amplify puts it. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now, there's something that God made me to understand in this verse. Why would the scripture say children is an heritage? Why would the scripture say that? Why shouldn't the scripture just say children is a gift from God? And as a matter of fact, when we say it when in our various dealings, we always emphasize on the fact that children are gifts from God. We don't emphasize on that part of an heritage. So what is, what is heritage? I try to check the definition of that heritage. Heritage is something that is handed down from the past as a tradition, something that is handed out you know, from the past as a tradition. And when you now link it to the concept of the children or why... You know, heritage, what place does he have in place of children? Then it brings to mind that God, in the way of doing his things, in the way that he wants to manifest his dominion, he would like to walk through the gift of a child. That was why Jesus was given as a child. If he had wanted to save the world, he could have used any other thing in his mighty power to save the world. And if you look at the scripture, we see so many mighty men, women that God has used. He has he preferred to use them through burning, you know, giving birth to them first. We'll give back to them, then he will take them through process, then he will empower them, and he will make sure at the end of the day they fulfill their dominion purpose. So we now need to begin to rethink the concept of children that is beyond gifting. It's also a tradition, a way through which God would usually want to establish his dominion on earth. And it is when we get to that type of thinking, then to change the way we relate with our children. And I'll also expand it further. Children, sometimes they don't necessarily have to be our biological children. They could be things or people under our influence that God has brought our way. But what is important there is that it's an heritage, that this is the way and the pattern through which God would usually, you know, establish um, his dominion. Now, I proceed to say gifts from the Lord. Usually we know what gift is. It's a show of favor, show of honor. But gifts sometimes can also be a gesture of assistance. Sometimes, um, probably when... Somebody is preparing for a wedding. Oh, we say we give you a gift. 
In fact, some people in preparing for wedding, they will say, don't give us gift. We have a gift list, isn't it? Now, the idea is that whatever you give them should be of help, should be useful for them, and should be something, you know, uh, that will be of assistance in their marriage. And that is the aspect also that would like us to see children as being gifts to mean a gesture of assistance from God. Meaning that God giving us gifts in our family is actually aiding us, is actually empowering us to be able to fulfill the mandate of that dominion. So you're being fruitful, whether biologically, you're being fruitful in any spheres of your life, which you see as a gift, which is an heritage from God, is for a purpose. It's actually meant to be for assistance because you are meant to fulfill a purpose, which is the dominion mandate, because that is the end of the matter from creation. Now, I would like to just quickly move to the next verse. He said, as arrows are in the hand of mighty man, the Amplified says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth, so are the children of one's youth. Then I now begin to think, or we begin to wonder, children are likened to be an arrow in the hand of a warrior. So the question is, If God says children is an heritage, a style through which he approaches his things, meaning that God would always approach his things, will always use or manifest his purpose of dominion through a warrior. So the scripture didn't say, as arrows are in the hand of probably a father, or as arrows are in the hand of a mother. The scripture says, as arrows are in the hand of what? Of a warrior. So that means tied to God's mandate, dominion mandate, is for us fulfilling that position of being a warrior. And that's the mindset we also need to have for us to be be, be able to fulfill the dominion mandate. So the next question would now be, why would arrow be given to a warrior? Why would a warrior go about with an arrow? And this would just lead us to quickly look at five attributes of a warrior. And as we all know, we've seen so many things in so many films. We'll see arrows, we'll see warriors, you know, fighting, riding on horses, you know, half quiver, half, their quiver is full of arrow and they have bow and they would shoot, you know, they would, you know, extend the bow like this and put the arrow and try to target something and try to shoot. So that brings to bear that for every warrior, they must have a purpose. For every warrior that possesses that, uh, that arrow, there must be people that have purpose. And the scripture makes us understand in the books of um, uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5, that everyone is born with a purpose. Proverbs 25. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will what? Will draw it out. So it requires also for us to get to a place of understanding our place as warriors, to be able to understand our purpose in the place of dominion. And if you look at the accounts of Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 9, verse 16, 
The scripture makes us to understand that, and in very deed for this cause I have raised thee, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. So that's also a purpose for which Pharaoh was what? Was, it's also a warrior, but it's a type of warrior that God used in a different way. And if you look at um, Philippians 2, Philippians, Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13, the scripture says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of what? Of his good pleasure. So this brings to fall that every man, every warrior on the face of earth, that God has spared his life to be part of his dominion agenda for this end time, you have a purpose. So that means we need to begin to live our life differently as people that God has actually deposited one or two things in us. We all have our place in this dominion mandate. And that's how I want us to see ourselves. So like a warrior, a warrior will not just go to war without a purpose. In those films, sometimes they go to war just to conquer territories. A warrior will go to war probably to reclaim you know, lost things. Maybe some people have invaded them. They want to go back and invade. They will want to go to war to actually dominate. So we need to now begin to think that as warriors, that we are warriors in place of dominion, we have an essence and we have a purpose. And we must live every day of our life with that purpose of saying that I was created, God imputes something in me from that for me to what? To dominate. Then the second thing, for a warrior that usually walk or fight with arrow and bow, is that usually, they usually require training. They usually do what? They usually require training. Um, if you look at the way arrow is being, arrow is being used with bow, we found out that um, you have a bow like this and you have arrow. And usually... Um, you need to have the understanding that there is a kind of something that is called potential energy that you use to draw, you know, the bow. And it's that potential energy that is eventually converted into kinetic energy. So all these signs, the teachings on how to focus and how to direct are actually things that we must always, you know, go through in life. And one of the things we must learn as part of our training is that it is God himself that will teach our hands to war. He will teach us in the way he would want us to actually dominate in that sphere of our life. So training is very, is very key, you know, for every warrior that carries bow and that carries an arrow. And there's one other thing, one other reason why they usually go for that training. And the training actually differs. And you will recall that it's not just only warrior that uses an arrow. There are people that use arrow. For example, a warrior can use arrow for hunting. A warrior can actually use arrow for sporting activity. And they, they can actually use arrow for what? For warfare. Second Corinthians 10, verse 4, says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Of strongholds so that we can dominate. So, but the point I'm trying to emphasize here is that having established your purpose, 
your purpose must also determine, you know, the kind of training you will seek and you will expect, you know, God to deliver to you over time. Now, if you are somebody that you think your arrow and your bow is for sporting activity, you can actually come to this world and just begin to sport around and just begin to do things to amuse people. What do sporting people do? They make people happy, right? They just go around, get trophies, and that trophy doesn't really take them anywhere. Everything will perish here on heart. But they just make people happy. They use their strength. They use their anything, everything. So this is a particular type of warrior that has arrow and bow. But all that he uses that to do is just for sporting activity. And there are people like that in this world. So the question is, what are you aspiring to do, having established your purpose? What are you submitting yourself for God to train you to? Then the second part of people, there are people that have warriors that use their bows and arrows for hunting. All that they just want to do is just to eat, probably kill some animals, sell, make money, and just satisfy themselves. And that's another particular set of warrior. But there is also this particular set of warrior that believes that his weapon of warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of stronghold. They are mighty for a particular purpose, which is to dominate. So we have seen these three types of warrior. And I know that um, we should begin to go through an iteration process to deciding which parts or which type of warrior are you presently. What are you doing in your spheres of influence presently? Are you a sporting warrior? Are you a hunting warrior? Or you are a warrior that believes your Weapon of warfare are not carnal. That thing that God has given to you as arrow and bow, they are not just for play. They are not just for hunting, not just for sporting, but they are for pulling down of stronghold and taking our place in dominion. The third one is that every warrior that uses bow and arrow usually requires focus. They will usually require focus. And this is very important and is one of the things that usually you know, drift people, you know, from, um, from, from their mandates or from their focus. If you look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 20. Okay, let's look at Acts because of our time. The book of Acts chapter 3, I'll read verse 2 to 4. I just want to emphasize the essence and importance of focus. Verse 2 to 4. And a certain man lame from... His mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that enter into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms? And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. He said, And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John. That's a focus for a purpose. If he had not looked at that man, apparently that was not the first time he has been passing through that gate. But a focus on your mandate in life, your mandate in destiny, will make you to actually have compassion on what you see around you. Because you can actually look and not see. But if you are a focused person, you will not be distracted. So for this particular assignment for impacting the destiny of this man begging for arm, it required focus. 
and required them to constantly look at this man and to say, no, we need to do something about this man. Probably they were not distracted on that day. Proverbs 13, Proverbs 13, verse 4. Still talking about focus, which also can also translate to diligence in life. So many of us, we have actually wandered away because of the distractions of this world. There are so many things that can distract us from our position or from, you know, from us manifesting you know, our place as warriors that are supposed to take you know, our full position in dominating our spheres of influence. One of the things is that diligence is required to achieve focus. It says, the soul of the sluggard desired and had nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall what? Shall be made fat. The same Proverbs um, 12, 24, the scripture says, the hand of the diligent shall what? Shall bear rule. The hand of the diligent shall what? Shall dominate. Shall bear rule. But the slothful shall be under tribute. Shall always be a labor. So that's one of the things that actually distinguishes people that early in life find their place, realize their place, you know, um, as warriors designated to take part in the dominion mandate. You will see that they will always rule in every sphere of their endeavors. And it requires diligence through a mindset of being focused for them to be able to achieve this. Then the fourth one, very interesting, is that every warrior would usually prepare his arrow for a battle. Every warrior will usually prepare his arrow for a battle. And looking at the preparation of arrow, we found out that an arrow has different components. It will usually have a head, it will have a long stick, then it will have, um, it will have a base as well, which is called knock. So there is an arrow fletching, there is a shaft, there is also an arrow head. Now, a real warrior, and in some of those films, you know, ancient films in the old settings, they will usually see and show us how the warrior will be preparing each arrow that he will put in his quiver. The same thing is required of us as warriors that are supposed to take our place, you know, in destiny to manifest dominion. Is for us to actually be able to carefully, carefully manufacture, carefully nurture, carefully take care of our arrows. The first thing that I took notice of there is that arrowheads are actually different. They are, and they are made for a purpose. We're made to understand from research that the arrowhead that you use for that, you know, the dart game, is different from the arrowhead you will use for hunting. It's also different from the arrowhead you will use probably if you want to kill an enemy. And some people even go to the extent of poisoning the arrowhead. They don't just use ordinary arrowhead. They poison it to make, you know, to make it much more potent. So it's not just about piercing the person, but they also want to you know, um, leave something in the body of that person that will make the person die quickly. They also use it for animals as well, for hunting. So, but what I'm trying to drive out here is that if God has said the children he has given you are like arrows, then how do you prepare them for a place in destiny to be able to manifest dominion? Because an arrow can just be a stick 
and you can just put a stick by a bow and just pull it and just shoot it. And of course, a stick that you just shoot without an arrowhead does not have, would not probably have any impact and you don't have the desired you know, goal. But when you prepare your arrow based on your purpose that you have determined and you have found out from the beginning, then you'll be able to use the appropriate arrowhead. You will not use the arrowhead for spotting in battlefront. Do we understand now? That tells us that the way we prepare the children around us will actually help us, you know, to, or we help them as arrow to fulfill their place in destiny. Remember, the essence from the beginning, we said be fruitful. They are product of fruitfulness. And they must be useful as arrows. So as warriors that has arrows in our quivers, how do we prepare these arrows? Which type of arrowhead do we prepare for them? You know, it also brings to fore the importance of how our society is today. The society, they often say, is a product of every family put together. It's what we have in each family, from one family to the other, that accumulates into what we have now as a society. And it's an expression, and that's why we see the kind of things we see in the society today. So we must take conscious effort to see these children as arrow that God has given to us, and must take particular you know, care in bringing them up in the way of the Lord. Jeremiah 1.5 talks about a child that was born with a purpose. So every child, every arrow that God places in your hand, God actually had a purpose for, for them from beginning. And we also know that a warrior would usually use an arrow with a bow before he can launch it. And that talks about the upbringing, that talks about the environment that we give our child or that we give every child you know, that surrounds us. Proverbs 1.10 you know, talks about, my child, if the sinners entice you, do you know what? Do not give in. And Ephesians 6.4 also tells us that the way we should bring our children up in the way of discipline and in destruction of the Lord so that they will not be able to depart you know, from it. So that also talks about the way we prepare our arrow, the type of arrow we, you know, uh, we, we nurture in the place of battle as warriors. Then the third thing is that arrows shot usually does not deflect from the point of target. If you shoot an arrow now, it will usually not deflect from its target, except for special circumstances. So if you have prepared your arrow very well, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. So when he grows up, he will not what? He will not depart from you. So when an archer, when he actually pulls that bow, usually that arrow does not defect. It hits the target. So if we train our children up in the way they should actually go, they will usually not deflect. Like I said, usually not deflect. But there can be deflections. Probably by the time the arrow is going, you see some probably uh, unforeseen uh, obstruction just cross the way of the arrow. And that means that even as warriors, when we shoot arrows, when we have our arrows, we don't have to go and cross our hands and also sit down. We must ensure that this arrow that I'm shooting now, is it growing in the way it's supposed to grow? Is it manifesting what it's supposed to manifest? Then it brings to fore that we may need to reshoot as warriors. Because sometimes when you shoot, you think there may not be deflection or something may not obstruct that arrow. But things happen. Wind can just blow. 
you know, an obstruction can just come up, come up and it will not hit the target. So it means as warriors, we really, we really don't have expiration time for nurturing our arrow. No matter how old we get in life, we have that responsibility to the end of the lifespan of that arrow. Until when that arrow has achieved its aim, that's when you know, the warrior can now say, okay, I've actually shot at something. You don't just shoot and just turn back and just say, I've shot and I'm going. So there's huge responsibility that God has given to us as warriors. And lastly, I'd like to touch on verse 5 of that Psalm 127. Psalm 127, verse 5. See what the scripture says here. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. But they shall speak with enemies in the gate. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with enemy in the gate. I'd like to just read Third John, verse one, chapter one, sorry, verse three to four. See what the scripture says: there. "For I rejoice greatly." When the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And that's actually what happens when those arrows that God has given you in your quiver actually excel in life. And that's why the scripture says, happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. Because he will not be ashamed. He will be happy that he has achieved what he needed to achieve. And we see that it actually happens in our environment. There is no parent that will hear bad reports you know, of his son and that will come out and say, I'll be proud and say, I'm the parent of this child and I'm happy with what has happened. And may God not give us children that will bring shame to us in Jesus' name. Now, the part that the scripture says, a man that possesses a quiver... A quiver is a container for holding harrow. And but there is another point of emphasis there. The scripture did not say, happy is the father that has his quiver full of them. The scripture says, happy is a man that has his quiver full of them. So it doesn't have to be a father that must have arrows. It doesn't have to be a father that must have quiver that stores arrow. And that's why I said from beginning that your quiver that you use to store your arrow may be that business that God has given you. Maybe that company. Maybe your family. Most importantly, your sphere of influence is that quiver that God has given you. Do you have any arrow in it at all? And this is one of the challenges that we have. Not having the mindset of dominion, which was the intended mandate of God. Christians often, often live our life as though that quiver should usually be our family. And we found out that it is hard for us to say we see, we've seen a strategy, a national strategy or a global strategy that is being run by Christendom to dominate the world. But we have been hearing that a president is implementing 
A what? What's the president implementing? You say Islamic agenda, Nabi. That there is a strategy, isn't it? So where is the Christian agenda? Where are the succession plans for Christian? Remember, if you don't go back to the beginning, that the essence of those fruitfulness that we see in our lives is tied to dominion, which is the end of the matter that God had in mind when he was creating us as, you know, in the beginning. So we must begin to think dominion. When we think dominion, we will think about quiver. When we think about quiver, we will think about arrow. Then when we think about arrow, we will live our life differently as Christians. That that quiver doesn't have to be our biological family. That quiver has to be your sphere of influence. Where you keep arrows. Those people that God has brought across you, you keep them. You prepare them as useful arrow. Sometimes you sharpen the arrow again. Sometimes you have to put something in the arrowhead to make them, you know, more effective by the time they are being shot. I think that is one of the things I've seen, which I've even been asking. Where is our agenda? Do we have a strategy? If we really want to dominate, we must work with strategy. I was at a session yesterday. I said, you see China doing stuff. You see Japan doing stuff. They are not accidents. They are roadmaps. They are strategy. You may not know how those strategy links, but there are strategies. And we must begin, if we must achieve that dominion, we must begin to fashion our strategy on how we really want to dominate. Because the understanding that that quiver is beyond our family. Remember, the scripture says, you know, happy is the man. It is not happy is the father that has that quiver. It is actually the man. When God says, I'm looking for a man to send to achieve my mandate, dominion mandate, it is that same man that is expected to have that quiver. It is that same man that is expected to nurture all those arrows that God has brought around him. So as a church, as a people, we need to wake up. I have not seen a strategy. I have not seen a synergy. I have not seen us leveraging on the multiplication. I have not seen us leveraging on the replenishment that we have as Christians. We've seen so many things. So many things are sent to our WhatsApp. We say, all of a sudden, the mayor of London is what? The mayor of what? London is what? But do you know they have another target now? Do you know they have another target now? The what? The prime minister. They are not by accident. These are people that believes and sells their strategy to dominate. And we must wake up. We must wake up as Christians, individually, collectively. What quiver do you have? What quiver are you caring about? Is it just about you and your family? Or are you concerned about the state of things in the church, about the state of things in your department, about the state of things in your neighborhood, in your compound, that is really a food for thought for us. And rounding up, I would like to go back to that same Psalm 127. It's also not a coincidence 
that scripture says, except the Lord build the house. The words, they build that, they do what? In vain. And it's the same context that he also talks about arrows. It's, in this, it's the same context that he also talks about a man having a quiver to achieve a purpose, which is to dominate at the end of the day. I pray God will help us in Jesus' name. I'd like us to just bow down our hearts. With these few words you've had this evening, there's a purpose from beginning. And the ultimate purpose is actually for us to dominate as Christians. It's not for us to just be fruitful. It's not sufficient for us to just multiply. It's not sufficient to replenish and subdue. But the end of a matter is very, very important, which is to dominate. Do you still maintain your place as warriors? Let us ask ourselves as parents, as people that have influence, do we see ourselves as warriors in those positions? Let's ask ourselves and let's talk to God. That God, please help me. Make me the true warrior that you intended me to be. Make me a true warrior that you intended me to be. I'd like us to begin to talk to God right now. Let's begin to talk to God. You know, the scripture didn't say God gave that arrow to just any man. He gave the arrow to warriors. And we are the warriors of the end time. We are the warriors to fulfill the dominion mandate of our father. Because that was his intention from beginning. I also like us to ask God to give us a quiver that extends beyond our immediate environment. A sphere of influence, a quiver that glows global. A quiver that, that extends beyond our states, that extends beyond this country. A quiver that can be seen globally. Let it be that Christian is the richest, the wealthiest man in Africa controlling things. Let it be that Christian is the wealthiest man in Nigeria controlling economy, dictating how the economy will move. Let's pray that God should give us those kind of quiver. That God should give us domains that God should give us domains that will actually make us to be able to play our part to dominate. Because that's the strategy of God. That's the intention of God from beginning. He didn't actually want us to multiply just for counting numbers. The multiplication is for a purpose. It's to dominate. And lastly, I'd like us to talk to God that God should help us and give us the grace to be able to train all the arrows that he has deposited in our quivers. So many of us have arrows now. We don't even know we are carrying arrows. We don't, we, our focus, we have been distracted. We don't know we are carrying arrows in our quivers. We just think it's all about us. We don't see beyond us. We don't see beyond our families. Let's pray that God should give us the grace, those attributes of a true warrior preparing for battle. How would a warrior treat his arrow? It will nurture it. It will sharpen it. It will put the right arrowhead. And it will focus the right target. In Jesus' name have we prayed. In Jesus' name have we prayed. Our Father in heaven, we appreciate you for a wonderful time in your presence. We thank you for these few words you've spoken to us tonight. Father, we pray that will not disappoint you in destiny in the name of Jesus. 
the end of the matter is that we will dominate. Father, we pray that you help us to take our place in dominion in the name of Jesus. Individually, we will take our place in dominion in the name of Jesus. As a community, we will take our place in dominion in the name of Jesus. As a body of Christ, we will take our place in dominion in the name of Jesus. Thank you, blessed Father, for we have prayed in Jesus' name.